Everyone, my name is John Russos, and this is the Here's My Thing podcast. In fifth grade, my parents signed me up for Cotillion. Here, hundreds of other 11-year-olds and I learned the specific roles and disciplines of each utensil, plate, and glass. We learned when to put a napkin on our lap and whether or not it was okay to cross our legs sitting down. More than a manners clinic, it was a sanctioned interaction of boys and girls. We'd waltz, we'd cha-cha, and try to converse over Sprite and bulk bought chocolate chip cookies. Later, an older woman with hair that was otherwise dove feathers glued to her head, I think she was French for some reason, would relay us a few commandments of etiquette. If you're being taken out to eat, always order the cheapest thing on the menu. Don't bow past a 90 degree angle, stuff like that. I haven't yet gotten my hands on the event's promotional propaganda, but I figured they took a similar angle to BPA-free water bottles and anti-jewel campaigns. Fear. Word spread easily amongst parents after intermediate yoga classes. We had our son do it. He loved that it. it's a must. If your child doesn't go, then they'll never get into college and won't marry anyone and they'll be a virgin forever and you won't have any grandkids. One day I was applauded for not getting pasta sauce on my shirt. And then the next, I was told to put on a pair of dockers and an oversized blazer, and then go learn ballroom dances just in case I was invited to the White House or dinner with the Queen of England. If I ever told my parents I enjoyed it, I can assure you that was because I don't like disappointing people. Cotillion is only tolerable with friends. Looking for them while dancing gave you an excuse to not make eye contact with your partner. People with whom you had common ground to talk with, and while the soft-spoken French woman told us about the many faults of chewing with your mouth open. We carpooled together, then after the evening's demonstrations, exercised what we felt was our right to a meal at Red Robin. Red Robin and games, I might add. Six quarters, please. There's a ball I need to slalom to the top. But if your friends weren't able to go, beat at the expense of a late afternoon soccer game or a conveniently caught cold, then the experience was about as enjoyable as eating microwave celery. A lesson in dated dance technique turned out to be a dish best served with a familiar ear open to your derided comments. Cotillion had me look forward to one thing, and that was wearing a suit. It wasn't until my freshman year of college that I stopped role-playing as a spy every time I straightened out a cuff. Russos, John Russos, I'd say to an imaginary villain, one who was dressed in leather and a lot of unnecessary buckles. I'm not sure my colleagues felt the same. The relationship between a dress shirt and the neck of an elementary school kid is far from cordial. If their hands weren't in their pockets, they were picking at the collar, only lasting 45 minutes before undoing the top button. I think we cleaned up nice, but my buzz cut eliminated me from the potential wet hair comb-overs by my parents. The reassuring, you look handsome, felt more authentic because of it. I felt less ridiculous in a hairstyle I sported every day versus one that came out a few times a year. Aside from an already taken care of fee, our admission was dependent on how we dressed. It seemed very clear the first time around this was a formal event, the likes of weddings and funerals. Zip-off pants and summer basketball camp t-shirts were more than looked down on, but forbidden. People would get denied for what they came in. I try to cut slack where I can. This is a time before social media. If you weren't on an email list or heard of the lessons last minute, instructions came strictly by word of mouth or on a flyer. And a flyer that, if there wasn't room on the fridge or enough magnets to be passed around, it would more than likely be thrown away. During the first event, as we were walking in, a boy was walking out with his head in his hands, crying. He was wearing jeans and a Ralph Lauren polo and sported one of those watches that sits like a hockey puck on the wrist. The poor guy. And he had no idea how lucky he was. He spared himself another 90 minutes of TV time, and it wasn't even his fault. 
I questioned his theatrics, but figured he just had a terrible case of FOMO, that or the embarrassment of being the only one in regular fit jeans. He reminded me of the people in those recent videos getting denied access to grocery stores because they're not wearing masks, the ones fighting security guards for their right to buy canned chili and Oreos. Outside of the fits they both throw, there's subtle differences. The people going shopping know the rules and regulations, and this poor kid was completely unaware, and he was turned away because he wasn't in a suit, while everyone I've seen has elected to not wear a mask, which is so odd to me because these masks, along with being mandatory in a lot of places and encouraged by the CDC, they're stylish. There's reasons why hypebeasts were wearing them when the word pandemic was something you'd find on Wikipedia or in a textbook. Now, maybe it's people being conscientious or that the masks help bring out their eyes, but wearing them's attractive. It leaves me to think that those rushing Albertsons in Walmart believe that they're much hotter than they actually are. And to that I say, for every Michael B. Jordan, there's a million Peter Griffins. These masks are doing them favors. Everyone, my name is John Russos, and this has been another installment of the Here's My Thing podcast. Thank you for rocking with me. Until next time.